Blue Wire. Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4. Jason takes it himself, look at him dart back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankles, he is Houdini. Watson stays on his feet, throws on the run, touchdown, Watson, a magician. Mahomes winds it up, wide open as Hill. Welcome to another episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast. I am your host, Ari Mayrov, and we have made it. The NFL Draft is coming up on Thursday night. It is going to be a one-of-a-kind draft, the first and hopefully last NFL Virtual Draft. On this week's episode, we have a very special guest once again. Jordan Schultz of ESPN joins me as we look ahead to Thursday night's draft. Jordan was on the podcast last month after the first wave of free agency, and I thought it would be good to get him on again as we look ahead to this draft. Before we go to Jordan Schultz, I'll remind everyone that we had Jordan Reed on the podcast last week from the Draft Network. A lot of great insight on the draft, on the prospect in that episode. Please make sure to check that out as well. Before we go to Jordan Schultz and this week's episode, a quick word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. With currently no NBA, no NHL, and no MLB, really no sports, you might think there is nothing to bet on. Well, you are wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag still has hundreds of events and games and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they are bringing Las Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. It is all open 24 hours a day and it is all done online. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE. B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. So now here is my pre-draft discussion with ESPN's Jordan Schultz. We discussed many different topics regarding this draft, including the Lions at 3, Giants at 4, Dolphins, Chargers, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, who is looking to trade up, some bold predictions, and we also talked about Christian McCaffrey's new extension and Jamal Adams possibly getting traded out of New York. So here it is, my full discussion with Jordan Schultz. Alrighty, joining me now here on the My Sports Update Football Podcast. It is now his second time coming on the podcast. He is an NFL and NBA insider for ESPN and the co-host of the Pull Up Pod with CJ McCollum. It is Jordan Schultz. Jordan, how are you? All right, doing well. Big week. You know, it's uh, it's an odd week because it's not the normal draft we're anticipating, but uh, I think it'll be great nonetheless. Yeah, it's definitely going to be different. I mean, we are going to be in like these general managers and coaches' living rooms and their basements and their kids might pop on the screen. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds. So let's get right into it here, Jordan. And obviously, the draft is on Thursday. I think everyone expects Joe Burrow at 1, Chase Young at 2. Won't be any surprises there. The draft really starts at number 3 with Detroit. So let me ask you here, what should the Lions do at number 3 and what should the Giants do at number 4? Yeah, so Detroit has a lot of needs, uh, as does New York. And I, my my thing with drafting 
if in the top five, top 10, Ari, is I believe in best that's available. You know, you don't have the luxury of selecting, um, you know, a need always. If you have a great player that isn't necessarily a top need but can still be a priority, then I believe that's the that should be the target. So with that in mind, um, I think that uh, the Lions should go and get Jeff Okuda, who is the best corner in the draft. He, he's been compared a lot to Stephon Gilmore. He's extremely good in, in press coverage. He tackles. Um, he's got some Marshawn Lattimore to him. I think he's a little bit better in coverage coming out than Lattimore was. And obviously, you know, he's someone that tested extremely well athletically. I, I, I think he is an absolute stud, uh, a 10-year Pro Bowler type of player, and he will help them a lot. And it is a need, at corner. And when you think about that division, especially with Aaron Rodgers and, and Cousins has been very good, um, you need to be able to have a great corner. And Detroit has not had it, um, you know, other than, other than Darius Slay. And, I, you, know, I know I, you know, I broke the news when they got Trufant. If you add Trufant and Akuda, that's, that's going to be a lethal one-two corner punch because of uh, both those guys are really good in coverage. And then I think about New York uh, at four, if they keep the pick, to me, they have two great options. They can either go Tristan Wirfs, the tackle out of Iowa, who is, uh, who's really good, or Isaiah Simmons, who is um, probably the biggest hybrid type of, you know, freak kind of sideline to sideline defensive player in this draft. I think – I don't know if he's better than Chase Young, but he's got incredible edge ability. You can cover with him. And, um, you know, both of those guys are really good fits. Worse because he fills in a direct need at left tackle for, for um, Daniel Jones. He's a big mauler. He's good in the run game. And Simmons, because they haven't had a really good defense in, in about a decade. Yeah, and you mentioned Stephon Gilmore. Matt Patricia coached Stephon Gilmore in New England. So if he gets Okuda, put him in right there where Darius Slay was. It makes a lot of sense. As for the Giants and really for both these teams, both these teams are willing to trade down. They've made that clear. But for the Giants, two things to keep an eye on. First of all, Dave Gettleman has never traded down on the first round in his career as a general manager. Number two, Dave Gettleman has never drafted an offensive lineman in the first round. So if he does take Wirfs or any of these offensive linemen, it will be the first time he's ever taken one in the first round. And if he really, I really can't see him trading down because Gettleman always says when you're picking the top five, you want to get a gold jacket type of a player. So unless he's trading to five or six, where he could still get the same player he was going to take at four. I really can't see him trading down that far. So I do think the Giants make their pick at number four. Now that takes us to the Chargers and the Dolphins. Dolphins at five, Chargers at six. And this is where the quarterback talk gets started. And I want to ask you, where do you think Tua goes? And where do you think Justin Herbert goes? Is it to those two teams, to the Chargers and the Dolphins? Well, Tua's um, or Herbert's been linked a lot to Miami, and if I was Miami, I would 100% take Tua Tagovailoa. I've I've been a big proponent of his for a long time, and it's not necessarily a knock on Herbert. It's more of like I just think Tua is far and away the better prospect and the better ceiling, higher ceiling. His floor is not as high because he has the injury concerns, specifically with the hip. But if you want to project what it takes to be a great NFL quarterback. Tua has everything. You know, he's extremely accurate. That's probably his best trait. He runs to throw in the mold of a Drew Brees or a Russell Wilson. And I just think his he is such a competitor and winner that he'll find a way to be to be great, even if the health is a concern. And then Herbert, 
you know, I think he'll end up with the Chargers if I had to say right now. And Herbert does a lot of things well. He's six six. He, you know, we saw the running ability, three touchdowns against Wisconsin in the in the Rose Bowl. But Ari, he also is someone that makes a lot of the same mistakes. I, I don't feel as if he's really grown from his sophomore to junior or junior to senior year, I should say. And I just think he's more of a project. I, I project Herbert as somewhat of a Kirk Cousins. I think he'll be a pretty good player. But I think Tua has a chance to be a great player. And the other thing about Tunga Bailoa that I love, and specifically I would love if I'm Miami, for example, is that he is so natural out of that RPO. That's what Alabama runs. And Nick Saban, of all people, has said he's a great, great player. And I think he's extremely capable of coming in. I would sit him, but if you needed him to play, I, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to play right away. You know what's amazing to me with 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 two on the Dolphins is that this could end up being a repeat of what they had with Drew Brees in 2006. When Brees was a free agent, he had the shoulder injury. The Dolphins decided not to sign him because of that. They trade for Dante Culpepper and the rest is history. Here we are now in 2020. The Dolphins will have a shot at drafting Tua at number 5 or trading up for him. And they're going to have to decide if the hip injury is too much for them and decide to pass on him and take Justin Herbert, and Tua could end up becoming a star in the NFL elsewhere. This could really end up being something that we've seen before with the Dolphins. Will they make the same mistake once again in 2020, or will they take the quarterback who has the injury concern, but he could end up being a superstar in the NFL? That is something that everyone is going to be watching really, really closely. Now, after all the quarterbacks come off the board, at least those three, the next most intriguing position is the wide receiver position. And the big three wide receivers, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb. How do you compare all these wide receivers, and where do you have them landing on Thursday night? Well, CD, so if you want to break down the receivers and, and we're realistic about what each of them can do, um, Ruggs, Ruggs might be the most explosive but I think he's the most limited in terms of the route tree. And it's not to say that he can't become a really good route runner, but like Judy is way more advanced in the mold of a Calvin Ridley or a Julio when they come out of Alabama where they're just explosive players, but really good route runners. And, and you know, Ruggs is, is more of a guy that is short passes, jet sweeps. We talked about that RPO. They ran that a ton with Tua. Um, he's got incredible speed and athleticism and I'm a huge fan of his, um, but he's not as physically or he's not as, um, ready. He's not as refined as others. CD lamb is, is just an unbelievably explosive playmaker that you can line up anywhere. Um, I, I've, I've been incredibly impressed with how consistent he's become as a receiver, both with the route running and also in terms of the, of the hands. Um, I think Oakland makes a lot of sense for him. I believe at 12 because of, you know, they obviously traded Amari Cooper. They, they don't have a number one receiver. They have a great young tight end. You could pair C.D. Lamb with him. Uh, Ruggs has been linked a lot to the Niners. But the other guy that I really want to focus on who hasn't got quite as much publicity but I think is a great prospect is Justin Jefferson out of LSU. Led the FBS with 111 catches. Mm-hmm. Lit up Georgia in the SEC title for over 100. Then goes for 220-plus and four touchdowns against Oklahoma. And then the title game against Clemson goes for over 100 yards. I think Justin Jefferson with those 18 touchdowns is, is uh, it's just a wonderful player that is probably going to be available in the late teens, early 20s. So, you know, Judy's been the guy that's been linked to the Eagles a ton. And whether or not he's on the board there, I, we'll have to see. But, 
you know, that's 21. And then, and then, you know, as I said, Jefferson, I think is a really, really good player that uh, for whatever reason, hasn't been uh, quite as high mock, but you know, he's got good size. He's, he was listed at six, three. I think he's closer to six, two, but he ran a four, four, nine or four, four, three, I should say, and jumped almost 38 inches. Yeah, and Justin Jefferson, a lot of people at the Combine were not expecting him to run 4-4-3, four, 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 and he shocked so many people. And he really isn't getting a lot of attention. I have a lot of Eagles fans who follow me, and they are dying for Justin Jefferson to drop to them at 21 because they – More so than Judy? I would be stunned if he's there at 21 for the Eagles. I think Judy – I think the top three receivers are gone by Denver at 15 at the latest. Yeah, Denver has – Denver hit, I think, with Cortland Sutton. I mean, he's – He's becoming a really good player. He's not there yet, but he's close. And, uh, you know, I could see them taking another receiver. Um, but Denver also has other needs, uh, specifically uh, on the line. So, but if I was if I was the Eagles, I would prioritize Jefferson over Judy because I, I just think he's, he's a little bit more versatile than Judy. But you really can't go wrong. These are both great players who dominated the highest level of competition. Yep, and that is just four wide receivers that we just mentioned. This wide this wide receiver class is just stacked. I had um, jo- yeah. I had Jordan Reed on the podcast last week, and he compared these three wide receivers we're talking about. He said C.D. Lamb is DeAndre Hopkins, Jerry Judy is Chad Ochocinco, and then Henry Ruggs is Deshaun Jackson. I mean, those are just three wow. big big time names that he's. I like I like to. that. Yeah. I'm just thinking about that. I like that. Yeah, three. And there's big- a lot of other really good ones. I mean. The guy that's been rising has been Denzel Mims at a Baylor, uh, you know, physically just an unbelievable freak. Brandon Ayuk out of uh, Arizona State, really good player. I think in a normal draft would be a top 20, top 25 pick. Uh, Levis Chanel from Colorado. I mean, the list goes on. Rieger from TCU. You could just keep going and find a lot of really good players into the fourth and fifth rounds. KJ Hamler is another guy at a Penn State that I, I've been really high on for the last two years. Yep, and I could keep on going for you. LaVisca Chenault from Colorado is another one. Chase Claypool from Notre Dame is another talented wide receiver. So this class is just loaded with talent. And Ravens general manager Eric DaCosta actually said last week that they could find starting caliber wide receivers in the fifth round this year. That is how deep this wide receiver class is. Now, let's keep it moving here. And with so many great prospects in this draft, there are some guys who people maybe never heard of. So let me get some of your, you know, under the radar prospects, your favorite under the radar prospects in this year's draft. Wow, that's a good one. Um, well, it depends how far you want to go. Like, the guy that I love that hasn't been um, – he's not, I don't know if he's under the radar, but, like, I'll, I'll give you different tiers. Like, C.J. Henderson out of Florida, the safety, is finally starting to, like, get the publicity he deserves, but mm-hmm. it's been really late. And I don't, I don't know why because he's, he's a great player that should come in and start. Who else? Then, then there's different tiers. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk tomorrow on Instagram Live with Hunter Bryan and Selvin Ahmed from uh, UW and both of those guys are really interesting. I mean, Brian will probably go in the second, third and Ahmed fourth, fifth round, both explosive Ahmed, a, a absolute pure burner who's, who can catch and a guy that has really, um, I think come on because yet he he's done very well in his workouts. Although we haven't really seen a ton of him because UW didn't feature him the way that I thought they should have. Deandre Swift is a running back out of Georgia and he's better than Sony Michelle. He's similar to Nick Chubb. And obviously, Georgia players, we, we, you know, it's easy to compare them. But I, I think he's a, he's a, a really good prospect. Um, just trying to think of more guys. We talked about the receivers. Curtis Weaver out of Boise State 
really good player, uh, mm -hmm. edge guy that can cover a little bit, move him around. Um, it's just a really good draft. You know, I, I think it's, it's a really top-heavy draft that has a lot of depth. Yeah, and Jets general manager Joe Douglas actually told the reporters straight up that this year's draft is deeper compared to other drafts in recent memory that he has been involved with. And, you know, Jordan, you're pretty well connected in the NFL. And one team that is making a lot of noise right now is the Atlanta Falcons. There is a belief that Thomas Dimitrov wants to move up from number 16. What are you hearing? Yeah, I've, I've, been, I've talked to Thomas. They, Atlanta's in an interesting position because, you know, they, they finished the season really well after a really bad start. And then they add Todd Gurley. Um, they add Aiden Hurst in a trade. Hooper's gone, but Hurst is a better, I think, better playmaker, better athlete. Um, they need help defensively. If you, if if they can add um, a, a, real, a couple really good defensive players in this draft, then I think Atlanta's a, a playoff team in the NFC South, which says a lot because Tampa's going to be better, New Orleans is going to be really good. Ooh. So I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta moved up. But Dimitrov, like, if you go back to his drafts. For example, the one he hit massive on was with Julio Jones. Mm -hmm. He gave up a lot to get a receiver, and some people criticize him for that. But he, the reason I bring that up is because Thomas will not move up unless he has a guy that he has to have. So Thomas won't move up unless he has a guy he, he needs, and I think it would be uh, a defensive player given their needs. So I, I yeah, you're right. Atlanta's been linked a lot to, uh, to trades, and um, this is the kind of draft where – because there's Derek Brown, there's Simmons, um, there's Akuda, there's there's some really good defensive players that are going to be gone outside the top ten or so, and 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 I would I wouldn't be surprised if they made a move. So who do you think he's targeting? Is it Akuda if the Lions don't take him at three? Well, Akuda is interesting because Detroit. I, I think Detroit should take him, but I am far from convinced that they would. So it could be Akuda. Uh, I mean, Derek Brown is like. He, he is a monster, and, you know, he's, like, been incredibly productive. And you think about Atlanta, you know, they, they've been linked to him. I don't know if he's going to be there, but if Atlanta believed that uh, they, they could go out and get Akuda and didn't have to get inside the top three to get him, then that would make sense because they obviously they, they really do need a corner. Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned Atlanta with the trade in 2011. He moved Thomas Dimitrov moved up from 27 to six to mm -hmm. make that move. So if he, if he wants to get somebody, he he'll do it. I mean, we've seen it before. I don't know who it's for. I mean, if Detroit passes on Nakuda, the name that everyone is talking about is Derek Brown at number three. So yeah, he's he's the real deal. I mean, he's he's got everything you'd want. And uh, but Isaiah Simmons again. I mean, that's another guy. I just you know Simmons is he's worth the price of admission. He has everything, and, and from an athletic standpoint, he's, he's, you know, top of the charts in any draft. It's going to be interesting. I mean, again, I said that Jordan Reed here last week. I mean, he said Isaiah Simmons is the top two prospect in this draft. The problem is where does he end up? Because he does, he's a chess piece. And if he goes to the defensive court and doesn't know how to use him, he yeah. could end up being like a Taylor Mays, you know, one of these players who yeah. – yeah. Any people like, yeah, but then, you know, if you're not being used correctly, his career could go down the drain. That's the problem. Yeah, you're right. And I, was, I, I had a similar conversation with Justin Tuck, who, who obviously knows a thing or two about, you know, defense. And I asked him about Simmons, and he said the same type of thing, which was to say, from an athleticism standpoint, he's incredible, the speed, but he, he's got to be 
placed in a system that you that maximizes all of those tools. Otherwise, he's just a guy. You know, he's just an athletic marvel that that what you know that can flash here and there. But you won't really get all of his traits unless you put him in a spot to succeed. Right. So how where all these defensive players end up going is going to be interesting. And what the Falcons do at 16 is something worth monitoring as we get closer to this draft. Now, we talked about the quarterbacks earlier. We talked about Herbert and Tua. There is another quarterback in this draft who might go in the first round, and that is Jordan Love. What do you think about Love, and where do you think he ends up going? Yeah, I would be shocked at this point if he, if he doesn't go in the first. Jordan Love is, you know, he's kind of like this a little bit of an enigma because he had 17 picks as a junior. Um, didn't play in a major conference. You know, Utah State's produced some really good players, namely Bobby Wagner, but they haven't obviously been a quarterback hotbed. So, you know, he comes out at, you know, 6'4", with prototypical size, arm strength. He's got all of the tools, but from a consistency standpoint, a coaching standpoint, he's going to need, I think, at least two years of work. And when you think about drafting a quarterback in, in the first round or inside the top 15, for example, most of these guys are brought into play right away. So Love needs to go to a, a system where he can sit for a year, two years, and learn the NFL game. But I, I'm a big fan of his. And, um, you know, he's like this uh, kind of – again, I use the word enigma because we don't really know what he is. We I think, I think we just know that he's got – it's like a – he's got all the bones and all the – uh, uh, tools of like a great house. I, my man Dan Orlovsky made the comparison of like, you know, Justin Herbert being more of like a house and Tua being like a home. And then just Jordan Love, who like could be a great home, but he needs a lot of help to get to that place. You know, he's got the infrastructure, but he needs time. So um, I'd be really interested to see where he ends up because he's got a lot of tools. Yeah. And the thing that I keep on hearing about Love, and I said this last week, is that. He is still raw, but his ceiling is just so high. And he is the one quarterback in this draft that can make general managers come back in two or three years and say, how do we miss that guy? So yeah, and who was, who was that in the past? That was Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson. That was Patrick Mahomes. Yes, that was, you know, the, these kind of players that, you know, Mahomes went 12, Jackson last pick of the first round. I think love goes somewhere in between. You know, while we're talking about all these quarterbacks, every year in the draft, we get something unexpected early, and usually it's with a quarterback. Like last year, it was Daniel Jones at 6, which was unexpected. The year before, it was Baker Mayfield at 1, and then Denzel Ward at 4. The year before that, it was Mitchell Trubisky at number 2 going to the Bears. That was very unexpected. Give me a bold prediction for this year's draft. Ooh, I like that. Uh... We always have one, especially early. Yeah, I... Well, I don't know how bold it is because uh, I'm, I'm on the spot here, but I think Javon Kinlaw is going to go a lot higher. Um, defensive tackle out of uh, South Carolina. He's been getting – like I've talked to some people that love him and um, I think he's going to be a great player. Um, bold predictions. Let's see. How about Justin Jefferson ahead of Jerry Judy? I don't know if that's that, Super Bowl, that, but that, – That is bold. That is bold. Yeah, I think that's um, – you know, I would love to have something for you with, with Tua and Herbert. And I'd love to say, I would love to say like Herbert ahead of Tua because I think Tua's a better player. But I think there's a pretty damn good chance that Herbert ends up coming off the board ahead of Tua, which I think is a, is a mistake. But, um, you know, Miami's been very linked to, to Herbert. And, uh, you know, what's to say he doesn't, he doesn't go ahead of Tua? You know, here's my thing. I'll tell you here. 
I feel like the Dolphins might not take a quarterback at five. They'll take an offensive. Yeah, and wait. Yeah. And then wait. Because if the Chargers take Herbert at six, who is taking Tua after that? Just, I mean, I can't think of a team. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could go, well, the Raiders potentially. Maybe, but, you know, they have Carr. They have Mariota. I think they go wide receiver or corner with their two picks in the first round. Um, I mean, the Dolphins are there at 18. I mean, they Jags can, at nine. I mean, that's I don't the, know if they're convinced that – like, I, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that Jacksonville's not looking at Gardner Minshew and saying, you know, let's start him this year. If he pops, great. If not, we can try to get Trevor Lawrence next year. That's what I think. I think they go Minshew this year. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, you come back next year with all your picks. They have two first-round picks. They could make a move. Yeah, or, or if, he, if Tua fell into their lap at nine. It, I mean, what, what about Carolina? Like, Carolina signed Bridgewater, but why wouldn't if, – if Tua's there at seven – you know, I, I wouldn't I don't I don't think he can slip the way like an Aaron Rodgers. Did, the thing know? with Carolina is that they gave him sixty three million. I mean that, that contract is essentially a two year contract. They can't get out of it next year unless they do like a Brock Osweiler trade. That's the only reason why I can't see them happening. Yeah. I wonder who the Brock Osweiler is in this draft. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard hard to find somebody that inept. I know it's, uh, that's the that's the only thing with Tua. I don't really know where he goes if 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 the Chargers and Dolphins don't take him. I feel like the Dolphins could just wait at eighteen or try to move up from eighteen to get him. That's the way I look at yeah, it. Yeah, the Dolphins are the, the the thing about the Dolphins is they address so many defensive holes um, in free agency, and and it's like now they have to go offense. You know, like they they you know Parker's emerged, but they have to have another receiver. They they need another tackle. They need a quarterback. They, they have a ton of needs. And fortunately for them, they have a ton of picks. And, um, you know, they, they can address all the needs pretty early. But I'm with you. Like, they, they don't have to take a quarterback that early. And, you know, maybe they wait. They, they wait and get Jordan Love. I think they, they're at 18, too. I mean, I, there's a pretty good shot he'll be on the board there. Unless they're in love with one of these quarterbacks, I could see them passing on one at number five just because they have so many picks that they could move back up to get one. That's the way I yeah, look at see, it. Yeah, but see, that's – yeah, but, but it's hard. This draft especially, because we haven't had our normal draft reps in terms of visits, and we just don't have the same amount of information that we normally have, Ari, and that's difficult to project um, because you know, we, we, there's going to be a lot of players that go a lot higher and, and perhaps quite a bit lower than we project because we, we're just not able to access the same level of information. Yeah, and there are people who say, like, all these mock drafts that are coming out, I mean... Way, way off, yeah, right. Way off, all over the map. We don't know what to expect. It's going to be a very, very different-looking draft. You know, you mentioned the Panthers before. I want to talk about some news that happened in the NFL recently. The Panthers gave Christian McCaffrey a massive extension. I want to get your thoughts on Carolina giving that much money to a running back. Yeah, so I, I put this on Instagram. Like, to me, Christian McCaffrey's not a running back. He, he's a weapon, and I think, you know, over 100 catches, three downs, blocks explosive one and done threatening he can go the distance every play there's only a select few guys like that at the running back position and he's 23 years old a lot of tread left on those tires and here's why I think it's a great move he can be a bridge to Teddy Bridgewater Um, he's going to help him a lot early on because he bails you out of so many situations Um, and then I think secondly like I've gone around and asked quite a few defensive players about McCaffrey and they all say the same. They're like, that guy is different. You know, there's only, there's only a, a group of players that are really special like that at running back. And he's one of them. And because of the fact that he is a true three down back, and there's not that many of those either. Ari, I think he's worth the, the heavy price. 
Yep, and I'm right there with you. He's not just a running back. He's essentially a weapon, like Matt Rule told reporters. He does it all. Over 2,900 rushing yards since entering the NFL. Two 1,000-yard rushing seasons. Over 300 receptions. He's one of three players ever with 1,000 rushing yards and 1,000 receiving yards in a single season. Over 2,500 receiving yards since entering the NFL and a two-time All-Pro. He really does it all. Just absurd, absurd numbers. One more thing, Jordan, before I let you go. Last time you were here, we talked about Jamal Adams, the Jets' safety. And you said the Jets would be crazy to not pay him. Now it comes out that the Jets have not really discussed a long-term deal with him. He is not going to participate in all the virtual stuff that teams are doing right now. And he is a name to watch this week on the trade block. What are your thoughts on the Jets possibly trading Jamal Adams? My thoughts are, I similar to what I said last time, it, which is um, you're talking about, you know, one of the premier players in football already. He's 24 and he's, he's everything that you'd want in a defensive player because he covers so much ground. He covers mistakes. He flies to the football. He tackles. He can cover really good receivers. He's physical and strong enough to match up with tight ends. And he's fearless. Jamal Adams is an absolutely fearless specimen who has a chance to be an Ed Reed, Earl Thomas type of player, that type of impact. And I was with him recently, and I asked him about being on the Jets. What does it mean to be in New York? And he loves being a New York Jet. He loves being a part of the city, loves the fans. That's why the fans have embraced him. I think there's a mutual connection there that is very rare, especially with someone that hasn't been in the city very long. And uh, I, just think, I just think that Joe Douglas and the Jets need to take care of their own. And what kind of message are you sending if you don't pay – and you don't extend one of the best young players in the league. I don't care what you get in return. You know, you're, you're trading away a huge part of your future, and I, I just think it'd be a big mistake. So let me ask you this. I mean, I, I don't think the Jets will trade him, but if the Jets trade Jamal Adams, which team for you makes the most sense? Yeah, it'd, be, it'd be a team that has picks, you know, that can package together picks in this draft um, because the Jets obviously have a ton of holes. They would love to get more picks in theory. You know, so we, 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 you know, Miami's got a ton of picks. It, but, but the only way that it happens is if the offer blows Joe Douglas, you know, through the roof. Like, it, there's no way that he's going to make – he's going to trade Jamal Adams uh, like the way Bill O'Brien traded Hopkins, you know. Yeah. You, you don't trade a um, foundational piece that is an all-pro in the prime of his career in Hopkins or, in Jamal Adams' case, not even close to the prime of his career. You don't make that trade unless you have an absolutely blow-your-socks-off offer. Right, and he's still just 24 years old, obviously a stud, a fan favorite. The team that everyone mentions is Dallas. Picking at 17, they also have 51 and 82. That is the yeah, that's team. not enough to me. Right. Um, well, I mean, like, it's, I wouldn't make that deal. You know, I wouldn't make that deal. I would need, for Jamal Adams, I would need uh, two ones. I, yeah, and I basically. still wouldn't do it unless they were. Well, I you know I wouldn't. I just wouldn't trade him. I just right. I can't figure out why you why you make that trade. Right, Jalen Ramsey was traded for two ones. And the thing about again about Jamal Adams, it's not just the player; it's the person and the fact that he's a locker room guy. He's an energy guy. Players feed off his energy, and the fans just love him. I told you last time, this is one of the players that everyone loves. Doesn't matter who you're a fan of, you love this guy that much, and it's hard to move on from him. 
So we'll see what happens here on draft night. I'm telling you, Jordan, it's going to be fascinating to watch. We're going to be literally in general managers' living rooms during, during this entire thing. For it's sure. Going be, it's going to be interesting to watch. One of a kind. I'm ready for it. Jamal Adams is one of the names that we're going to be um, following closely. And he can gawk away and Trent Williams, among others, as well. Jordan, I really appreciate you coming on here today. Enjoy the draft. Keep up the great work. And um, we'll stay in touch. Thank you, Art. You too. Special thanks to Jordan Schultz for joining me on the podcast this week. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at Schultz underscore report. And on Instagram, it is at Jordan Schultz. Over on Instagram, he's actually been doing some lives with some big time names, including most recently Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf. So go check that out. That does it for this week's My Sports Update football podcast. The NFL Draft is coming up on Thursday night. Make sure you're following and have notifications on for the My Sports Update Twitter page so you're fully prepared for everything that is about to go down. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for downloading. If you have not done so yet, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. All of that is greatly appreciated. I am your host, Ari Marab. I will be back with another episode next week with another special guest as we recap the 2020 NFL Draft. Until then, stay safe, enjoy the draft, and I'll talk to you all next week.